Welcome to Skull Stories, presented by Cambria, proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, we're speaking with former Vikings running back Robert Smith. Now, our playoff prospects are dimming with another one-score loss to the Rams on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. Even though they were coming off a short week, having played on Tuesday night, numerous COVID issues, and quarterback Max Stafford was not at his best. We couldn't capitalize enough on their mistakes to get a victory. Anthony Barr, star of the defense, seven tackles, one quarterback hit, two interceptions, and two pass deflections. And he also got some uh, three-man front with him rushing a little bit. So I think in the last couple games, he's you know he's really picked it up quite a bit, which is good to see. Defensive stat-wise, the good, uh, we had three interceptions, two by Barr, one by Xavier Woods. Stafford only had 197 yards passing, uh, one TD, three interceptions, and a 46.8 rating. The bad, zero sacks going into the game, leading the NFL in sacks. We had zero sacks on Stafford, but the pressure still caused you know at least two of those interceptions, but actually all three because he underthrew the one that Xavier Woods picked off because he got just absolutely crushed by Dalvin Tomlinson. But they did have 22 first downs in the game as well. The ugly, L.A. was 7-14 on third downs, 50%. That's not good. And mostly the big one, 159 yards rushing, 131 to Sony Michelle alone. We got to find a way to limit that. Because, uh, uh, you know, on Sunday it was literally hand the ball off to Sony Michelle on middle high, and he was 12, 15 yards of the good. You know, there were some issues with their defensive ends, I think, with fundamentally not staying square or their just, you know, their alignments being too wide. And so Sony Michelle just destroyed us on that cutback. So we had three picks. Uh, Cameron Dantzler missed one early. That should have been number four. We had opportunities in another one, so five total. Uh, and then the Cooper Cup forward progress stopped, fumbled thing. That could have been six turnovers for the Vikings. So, we're, I mean, I think I heard a stat about uh, teams with three turnovers and only committing two penalties in an entire game up until yesterday were 34 and one. It's been, it's just been unbelievable. Offensively, uh, Justin Jefferson add, adds another feather to his cap as he breaks Oda Beckham Jr.'s record of. Most yards by a receiver in the first two years of their career, and he didn't need game number 17 to do it, which is awesome. OBJ had 2,755 yards for the New York Giants in 14-15. JJ currently has 2,851 yards, eight receptions, 116 yards on Sunday. Cousins was up and down. He finishes the game 315 yards, one TD, one pick, three sacks. The, the interception was was really the big one. I mean, between that and the punt return, there's your game, right? You know, right there. So, uh, the ground game was kept in check for most of the for most part as Madison uh, filled in for Dalvin Cook. Thirteen carries, forty one yards, one rushing touchdown. Uh, I I did like the way Madison ran. You know, quick north and south. The you know Sony Michelle is the antithesis of how our running backs needed to be. You know, the, he let everything develop. You know, or, you know, and then then surf the wave on the cutback with these animals that they had as, as defensive linemen. You just, yeah, you, you're not going to be able to do that. Aaron Donald had a couple nice plays um, on stunts and different things like that. The guy's, you know, he's unbelievable. Um, but I think for the most part, they did the offensive line did a pretty good job protecting Cousins. Up next is what looks or appears to be a cold one in Green Bay on Sunday night, which is do or die for the Vikings' playoff chances. We've only said that about six weeks in a row. If you lose this one, it all but ends uh, you know, the playoff chances, but we can talk about that a little later in the show. 
first, let's get caught up with tonight's guest. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. You've been able to see him throughout the season on the Vikings postgame live with Tatum Everett. He's my brother for life and tonight's guest of the evening, the great Robert Smith. Well, it's my absolute pleasure to bring in perhaps my favorite Viking, definitely one of my best friends, Robert Smith. And Robert, yeah, how the hell are you, man? How you doing? You good? I, I, I was good until the, that introduction. I mean, what do you mean, perhaps? <laughs> I said perhaps one of my favorite Vikings. I, I don't, I don't get it. Like, who else is on the list of maybes? <laughs> Dave Dixon, uh, Rosie Nix. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a whole bunch. Fernando Wait a minute, Smith. Dave Dixon? Yeah, Dave Dixon. I thought it would be Dixon Edwards. No, I'm just, I am joking with you, my man. Oh, okay. That, that was a little, the perhaps was sarcastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm very hostile today for some reason. Perhaps, <laughs> you're perhaps my favorite Viking. How's that? Cool. <laughs> Makes me, it gives me the warm and fuzzies, man. I'll tell you what. So um, what have you been up to these days? I know you're, you're still, and you're working with part of the VEN. Tell the listeners a little bit about what you're doing there uh, on uh, game days. Yeah. So it's a, it's for the road games, Vikings entertainment network. I come in, into town and uh, from the facility, we do a show post game probably about 15 minutes or so after the game. And I believe this is, it's running on uh, the Vikings app and the website. And I think that it runs on uh, YouTube as well. And so we'll do a little post-game show. We'll have uh, broken down a few of the plays during the course of the game. Hopefully good ones, not the bad ones. Uh, <laughs> then we'll take uh, Coach Zimmer's uh, press conference, react to that. Uh, but it's cool being up there uh, at the facility as you know, it's just, it's just been such an anxiety-filled season. So you yeah. sit there in the games and, you know, it's a, I think I've only been up there for two wins. Um, so it's, it's tough, but I really enjoy being there and, uh, at the facility and breaking that stuff down. Because most people are aware and, 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 you know, they know what you do and you're out there. It's just keeping it a little more Viking-specific. I haven't seen a season like this. I mean, I never experienced one as a player or as a coach. And, you know, my 15, 16 years in the booth to have this many games come down to the wire. What is, I mean, in your opinion, what is it? What, what cause is this? Is this just the way the league is now? Or do you think there's something else underlying this, uh, this constant down to the last, last play type scenario at the end of games? It's, I mean, it's extraordinary. And I think it, it kind of speaks to what the Vikings are this year. I think one of the more talented teams on paper in the league, obviously, you know, the injuries on the defensive side and uh, you have uh, some, some COVID issues with players being missing, but I think just it, inconsistencies. And it, it also speaks to you know, what, what can happen when you have penalties, especially poorly timed penalties, yeah. but then you combine that with new play caller on the offensive side with Clint Kubiak. It's football, I guess. But it's been bizarre, and I think with the Vikings being the only team in the league that hasn't lost a game by eight points, and then until a couple of weeks ago, the only team in the league that had uh, led a game by at least – every game by at least seven points – but yeah, man, I've never seen anything like it. Seattle's the only game where it was pretty much decided 
before the fourth quarter. Everything else has been a nail biter right. to the end, and it, it either in at the end of fourth quarter or into overtime. You know, in, in listening to Zimmer, um, I don't believe it was his post game. I believe it was uh, the the Monday morning call. You had the same guys. You had the same calls. Mm-hmm. It was yep. just a matter of you know you're supposed to be lined up inside of a guy. Yeah, you're yep. supposed you know. So I guess ex- for offensively, what what kinds of details like that do you see or do you think or that that just makes such a big difference? Because people at they look at this and they go, "How can this be? How can this possibly be?" So offensively, what are those things uh, you know to look for? I guess you talk about what those little things are. It is the same people. You have to remember kind of what it is that you're doing. As a receiver, how is this looking to the defender? Have they seen this before? If you don't change it up, if you don't keep driving through the route and your quarterback is assuming that you are, then he makes that throw and and it's a pick. So little things like that, understanding, yeah, he may have read this route, he's jumped this route. That doesn't mean give up on the route because you have to think about it from the mindset of the quarterback, just like the quarterback needs to think of it through the mindset uh, of a receiver. You know, is he, mm-hmm. if, if he's already started this break, then I have to assume that he's going to stay on that break. And that's why the throw gets made, but that's also why the interception gets made. But then, uh, you know, you talk about the issues of the offensive lines being shuffled around. Uh, and it's, it's little things like that where you get a bad step again. If you take a bad step, uh, you know, one little detail like that, that can just be everything. I and mean, they absolutely kill drives. And then you combine that with a defense that's also uh, giving up plays that they didn't in the first half. That's why you have comebacks in the second half like that. Skull Stories is presented all season long by Cambria, proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back with more Skull Stories right after this. Welcome back to tonight's edition of Skull Stories. Let's get back into our interview with Robert Smith. Every Monday night, you and I do a notable live event. Um, we had you, you know, you were able to get Randall McDaniel um, to come on and Todd Stucy. I was absolutely amazed at how much it meant to those guys to play week in and week out in the same spots with the same people and the type of uh, uh, communication that you end up having, even though it's pretty much unspoken, you just know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I thought that was the most interesting part. Oh, it was amazing. And, you know, and I remember talking to Stussy a number of years ago about offensive line play. And the very first most important thing is that they agree on what it is that they see. They have to agree on what the look is. It's not just about a call. It's about how pre-snap and post-snap that looks going to evolve. And, and you mentioned it there. It has to be nonverbal. And that's what Randall was saying. Like, you don't have time to make that call when if one of the guys gets pinned and a defensive end is going to be looping around, they've got some sort of, you know, TE or ET, whatever one of those stunts going on, you just have to know your guy is going to be moving off of the initial block and getting out to that other block, you know, those little types of things. And if guys haven't played together, they haven't seen those looks together. They haven't repped them in practice, which is another interesting part of what they talked about when you don't have these things live in practice, 
on that exact same look with that exact same situation. It's just that they, they can't make those types of plays where they're passing those things right. off, uh, you know, uh, non-verbally uh, because they just, they just haven't worked on it enough. The other part of it, the impact of moving guys. And I remember, you know, when I was coaching with Tice, he hated that. He hated bringing one guy in and then moving in like two other guys. You see that all over the NFL. It's almost like a reminder that that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> and it seems like teams are trying to do it all the time now. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it's great, you know, in theory to have your best five players on the field, but if they're not comfortable at a right guard spot or at a left top tackle spot, like the positions are just so completely different. It was funny hearing Stussy talk about that too. You know, he was a first rounder, got drafted, and they had him in at the guard spot. And he's like, I could hear, I could hear, you know, guys like Everett Lindsay and, and, yeah. and some of the more experienced offensive linemen behind me, like this, this guy's a first rounder. Like he was just out of position. You know, when you move guys around like that, not only are they uncomfortable, but you go back to that issue we talked about. They're, they're, they're uncomfortable and they're not exactly sure how the guy next to them has go- is going to be playing certain stunt- stunts and looks. And that is a recipe for disaster. I want to get your thoughts on Dalvin Cook. I, I want to throw the old school label kind of on him um, in that he's a 50-50. If he's going to play, he comes out, brace on his shoulder. He did have his best performance and then lost a yard and got to 205. But what did you see out of that guy on Thursday night? You know, it's it's kind of a moniker that – to me, uh, has never really made sense, you know, calling a running back injury prone. It's like, you know, calling a race car driver accident prone, like they're going to (laughs) happen from time to time. Right. Um, He's as tough as nails and seeing him back in there and performing the way that he was, was just so exciting. And he just sees things so differently. And it's not taking anything away from Alexander Madison, but he sees things so differently and he has that extra burst. So you combine him, recognizing certain looks faster with his ability, uh, I think, to hit the hole quicker. And it's, it's that combination of elements that really combine to make him as dangerous as he is. And you add in his uh, route running and, and pass catching ability is just he's just a really fun player to watch. You still have your, you know, your foot in the in the college uh, in the college realm or what do you prefer? the college game or the NFL game? I guess in totality, I like college better. Okay. Just because of, just because of the passion and the pageantry and just kind of the entire environment and, and how it is uh, with college games. The thing that's impressive about NFL football, the more that you watch it is just the precision required um, to be successful on plays. You know, we talk about those little differences that make the big difference, you know, the difference between uh, a 50 yard touchdown reception and and a pick six, Um, you know, you, you just see how quickly defenders recognize uh, what pass is coming based on how they've seen a route or a route tree evolve. And then the way that Mm. they break or the way that, uh, they hesitate and bait throws. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. And, and when you see quarterbacks struggle, it just it's just not in the least bit surprising. Like that level of understanding of the game, but then the athleticism to recover and to break on balls, 
it's no wonder young quarterbacks, you know, throw the ball to the other team. You know, Herm Edwards used to say that all the time. He's like, I always prepared when we had a young quarterback. He's like, hey, they're going to throw the ball to the other team. Like, that's what they do. That's what young quarterbacks do. So be ready for it. Like, you just see so these little details right. in the professional game that you don't, you don't necessarily need as much in college because it, it, there's usually so much more of a talent advantage. Now, you, you mentioned ambiance, and I actually had the opportunity to attend one of these games, but I think about Ohio State, Michigan, and what the ambiance, it was, it was at Ohio State. And ambiance is more for restaurants. I would say more atmosphere. <laughs> atmosphere is probably yeah, more but I mean to to experience to experience high street and everything that goes on in, a, in that weekend. What do you remember about that? About that matchup? About that rivalry? Because it's absolutely one of the best in sports. Period. End of sentence. I think the buildup is just so incredible. Like the moment that you finish that game the week before. I mean, it's like all you're thinking about, you know, I only played in two of them and they were both in Columbus and I was oh one and one that part of it really still hurts. I mean, that I never had an opportunity to, to beat our biggest rival, but just that energy that you feel and that, that healthy hate that you feel for that, for that rivalry. It just, it's just an incredible atmosphere, but honestly, you know, like before my first Ohio State Michigan game taking the field when I was a true freshman, late Bill Miles, uh, who was an offensive line coach um, before I was at Ohio State, he he saw me uh, on the edge of the tunnel, you know, getting ready to come out into the field, and he was uh, just watching me. And he comes over and he says, "Hey, Robert, you know, I, I know that this is a big game." And I know this atmosphere is, is exciting and you may feel a little bit anxious. He's like, but I want you to settle down and go out there and play. I want you to remember this. There are a billion people in China that don't even know this game is going on right now. <laughs> it changed the way that I approached games uh, for the rest of my life. Yes, it's a great rivalry and you get excited and passionate about it. But man, you got to go out there and you got to make you got to make plays and you got to stay under control. You know, like Denny would talk about, you know, the the controlled violence, right? Like, yeah. yeah, it's it's a big rivalry. But if you're out there and you're just running around without understanding what it is that you need to do, then you're, you're not going to help your team win. All right, Robert, thanks again for uh, being on the show. We'll uh, catch up again real soon, I hope. And uh, take care of yourself. Okay, guys. All right, All right bye. Thanks again to Robert Smith for taking the time to catch up. Be sure to catch him this weekend on Vikings Post Game Live on Vikings.com and everywhere you can catch your Vikings content. All right, let's take a look at our Northern Tool and Equipment Keys to Success. Northern Tool and Equipment brings the power with top brands like Milwaukee, Steel, Lincoln Electric, Honda, and more. Northern Tool and Equipment, quality tools for serious work. Green Bay is next up on Lambeau Field. The Packers currently 12-3. and it was one of their losses coming to the Vikings in Week 11 here at U.S. Bank Stadium, where we got away 34 to 31. Aaron Rodgers, um, he's he's the guy. He's coming off historic Packers milestone. He uh, just passed Brett Favre for most TD passes um, in the Green Bay career. They've only had the best quarterback in the league for the last 30 some years. Uh, he threw touchdown pass number 443 to Alan Lazard. He now has 445 touchdown passes and counting. 
his last game versus the Vikings, he was 23 of 33, 385 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and two sacks. And Devontae Adams has been a killer versus the you know versus the Vikings over the last uh, four or five games. Devontae Adams has been a killer. He is just on fire, and I anticipate he's going to be a giant chunk of the offense just like he was this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, you take a good look at how the Packers actually create different things for him. Rodgers can throw that football before Adams is even in his break. They run different routes against when they see certain coverages. They'll flood one side and let Adams run a just a quick slant on the other side away from it. They they move people around. They move defenders around by alignment to get Adams open. So it's really pretty amazing to watch that duo go to work. So Aaron Jones is back, and A.J. Dillon combined for 107 yards on the ground this past weekend. Aaron only had 12 carries for 66 yards. Dillon had nine for 41, so that's 107 combined. They're going to keep that thing on the ground as long as they can if they can be efficient in the run and just let Rodgers pick the spots where he has to throw the football. Adams and Lazard were the main receiving targets in an unusually low 202 yard passing game for Rodgers. So, you know, Cleveland, I think, over, you know, and here's the other thing, too, is that they, they threw four interceptions that game. The last score for the Packers was uh, with about nine minutes left to go in the third quarter. Cleveland's defense played them really solid. The fact that Rodgers only had 202 yards passing, they kept stuffing them to give their offense a chance, and they just kept making errors and and you know weren't able to convert there at the end that's why it was so frustrating watching that oh my game God. and baker mayfield was an absolute mess four interceptions especially on that last drive that's the one that sticks out but still i expect our game to be much better played uh especially offensively i mean i think justin jefferson has some great opportunities you know keep cousins clean in the pocket hopefully dalvin cook will be back he's going to be huge but we'll see. You know, we their their secret formula for success: start fast, convert your opportunities in offense, make them chase you instead of the reverse. Control the clock, and whatever you do, minimize the amount of time you give Aaron Rodgers the ball. He's you know he's unbelievably smart, seen it all. You know, it's Sunday night. We're going to see the best of a Rodge, right? Prime time, the whole thing. And the Packers, you know, they have something to play for because they want to continue to be the number one seed in the conference. I don't know anymore if it's about getting the bye. It's just about having that home field advantage, right? So hopefully many of you and as many of you as humanly possible can make it to Lambeau Field to cheer on our Vikings. But if not, be sure to join Paul Allen, Ben Lieber, Mike Musman, Greg Coleman, and myself on the KFAN pregame show and broadcast all across the Vikings radio network. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of Skull Stories presented by Cambria. Proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.